Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now going on everybody what's up folks we are back at it again my name is kevin i'm a kevin and this is episode 120 of the dark windows podcast we made it we done it um and since technically yesterday was veterans day you guys know how we do shit here happy veterans day bitches. happy veterans day also happy belated birthday party to any of you you fucking jarheads leathernecks whatever you guys want to call yourselves devil dogs devil dogs Happy birthday, Marines. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you might get some mob. Oh, what are they going to do? Kick my ass? I outrank them. I'm a civilian. so <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Besides, we're both from Army families, so. Uh, Listen. Yeah. I'm, I'm an Army brat. so Like I said, we're both from Army families, so. Uh, and technically, my brother-in-law's a Marine, so whatever. Well, Step-brother-in-law. Brother and step law. My wife's stepbrother. That's probably yes. the best way to put it. Yes. But yes, he's a marine. So wasn't you know? It's not like you know my like saying oh hey my brother. Right. Or even know. saying like my brother-in-law if it was my my wife's biological. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's a marine. Listen, my and he does marine shit. So I'm assuming he just gets fucking hammered a bunch and like my dad. I don't know. Stack sandbags or whatever the fuck they do when they're here. My brother. My dad, my biological dad, my uncle, my other uncles, my cousins. My, my other brother, Daryl. My other brother, Daryl. <laughs> my grandfather, my great uncles. They were in the military. Yeah. And I mean, so obviously we're going to end up focusing on a couple of Americans here. But I don't know if you guys in other countries do Veterans Day. I know they do Remembrance Day in Canada. Um but uh, thanks to anybody that's ever served. Unless you're in ISIS, then fuck you. I hope you die. Yeah, sure. But uh, any other country, sure. Awesome. Thanks, yeah, guys. They, Appreciate it. I don't always agree. I will say this. and I don't always agree with everything that uh, you know that we go to fight yeah, for. Definitely not. But you know what? Especially one of the, one of the, the war or the badass I'm covering yeah. for the war he went to. It was just kind of a, why the hell we were even there type thing. Yeah. But um, still, you're a veteran. I say thank you for your service. And I will I say that to every, every service person that I meet. I thank them for their service. And, you know. It, it takes balls to literally run into a firefight 
even if you don't agree with why you're there. It takes some balls to do that. They did something I didn't do. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, So why don't you start us off since you're talking about the war that your gentleman fought in uh, being a little, well, not even a little, a lot controversial. Yeah. Um, mine's mine's older than yours. Right. And technically with Veterans Day, because we, we usually cover someone who is past, usually. Yes. This time we selected uh, servicemen who are still alive. Now, I have to say, full disclosure, I hope he's still alive because I thought I saw something that said he was had passed. But so if he's passed, it's, it's been recently, at least yeah, I would assume. Yes. Um, so my badass for this Veterans Day is Melvin Morris. He was born January seventh, nineteen forty-two, in Okamulugi. <laughs> I guess we could just say he was born in Oklahoma because that's a motherfucker to say. Yeah. Well, it was Okamulugi, uh, Oklahoma. And if I pronounced it wrong, I do apologize. Um, according to his Wikipedia, he is still with us. Okay. Well, I, like I said, I had uh, saw looked up something, and it said, you know, Melvin Morris had passed or whatever. But like I said, if he has, you know, it was recent. Right. So anyway, he served in the Army from 1959 to 1985. He had a long career. Yeah, yeah he, for sure. He, uh he joined not the regular army in 1959. Instead, he joined the National Guard. Ah, okay. Within a short period of time, however, he would join the active duty, or join active duty after requesting the move to active duty. Okay. Right. Uh, in 1961, he became one of the first Green Berets. Really? Yes. No shit. Uh, he would volunteer for two tours of duty in Vietnam. <laughs> And he would receive the Medal of Honor on March 18th of 2014. Yeah, it took a minute, but... Yes. Uh, He would receive many other medals for his bravery during his two tours of duty in Vietnam. During his first tour of duty, he was in command of the 3rd Company, 3rd Battalion of the 4th Mobile Strike Force. So, and at some point uh, during his tour of duties, he... uh, he would be promoted from a staff sergeant, which is an E6, for some that would know right. what that is, uh, to a uh, sergeant first class, which is an E7. That's not bad. Yeah. For sure. No, no. That's... Uh, it's respectable. That is um, just above, you know... I mean, that's like... Let's see. Next step is... Uh, First sergeant. Let, let, let's put it this way. He can afford the payments on the Corvette that he bought with his enlistment bonus. Uh, not that time. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's, it's it's also fairly impressive considering he was in a somewhat of a command role as a as black a, man as in as the Afri- 60s. Yes, he was an African-American man. I, did, I failed to mention that. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so, by the time he retired uh, in May of 1985 at at Fort Hood, Texas, he was, as I said, the rank of Sergeant First Class, which was an E7. Mm-hmm. That means, in layman's terms, you've been in a long time. My father was in 
uh, for 30-something years, just over 30 years. I probably would be corrected because if my brother listens to this, he'll know for sure. Or if my father happens to listen, he will know for sure. He'll I, would, I would fucking hope so. He'll be, like, be like, by the way, son, I was in for X amount of years. And I'll go, sorry, Pop. <laughs> Bitch, I was in for 32 years and six months. <laughs> you know, you might be close to that. Eh, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, uh, that just means, you know, you're one of the old men. Right. You, you've you earned your respect. Yeah, you kind of walk on water pretty much. You know, when if you're in the shit, they're going to listen. You know, the boys are going to listen to you. They're not going to so much listen to that greenhorn lieutenant. Yeah. You know, they'll Some love, dickhead rather, kid just out of college that got his rank because he went to college. Yeah, they'd rather shoot him and listen to you. Right. So, with the backstory set, let's jump into the meat and potatoes of this man and tell the tale of what he did to be awarded the Medal of Honor and so many other medals, which we will get to. Um, this play, this event took place near Chai Lang, which is northeast of Hanoi. Right. Um, and this all took place on September 17th, 1969. He and his affiliated companies encountered an intensive minefield that halted their forward movement. This was when the Viet Cong attacked them, and during the engagement, one of Morris's fellow commanders was KIA, which means killed in action. Yes. Uh, near a bunker. Uh, now, I'm not sure if, because it didn't say if he was, um, if this commander, like, I don't know if it was a fellow sergeant or if it was a lieutenant or uh, captain. Because anything beyond that, you're not out in the shit. Right. You're not – basically, you're, you're, you have to be an NCO or lower to be, like, out in the field for the most part. Well – Generally, during Vietnam. Vietnam, you're, like – World War II, captain, you had fucking, like – Well, no, you're – You know. You were a captain or uh, below to be out in the shit. Or, and as they said in uh, – uh, it's doing a little line from uh, Full Metal Jacket – you're in the rear with the gear. Yeah. <laughs> well, so he, you know, this person was not in the rear. Uh, they were out there, and he got killed. Now, I guess I'm not sure if he was on his own um, or what, but upon hearing the news via radio, Morris decided that he would not leave his fellow, you know, leading officer or you know fellow sergeant behind so they gathered his men to make an assault on the bunker during the assault on the bunker morris and two other men that i'm assuming he picked before uh had picked when you know they were making the assault right or just before they made the assault broke off from the rest of the unit and went to recover the body and now before going any further i just want to say that I'm not sure. Some would be like, okay, well, why didn't his, you know, guys that were with him just take his body and get the hell out of there? I'm not sure. Like I said, maybe, you know, maybe he had gone off by himself. Maybe they got killed. It, but then again. It could have also been a situation of you guys get the fuck out of here. I will hold them off until you can retreat back. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Because it, that's. I mean, that's a thing that happens is, you know, I'm going to protect my boys until they can get out of here and figure out what the hell to do. 
you know, come back from my, you know, come back for me afterwards, but I'll do yeah. my best to hold him off. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Right. Because it doesn't say it could have been anything. Um, yeah, because I mean, if, if it had been more, if it, if the rest of them had died, you know, Morris, well, wouldn't only just have gone back for that one guy. He would have gone back for them all. Right. Back to the action. The enemy saw the maneuver that Morris and the two other men were, were trying to attempt, and they were like, you know, ta 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 or whatever, you know, fuck, you, basically, fuck you, you know, or shoot that motherfucker. Well, so that face you make when the trees start speaking Vietnamese. Yeah. So they began to concentrate. I mean, sorry, I apologize if you know anybody finds offense to that. I'm sorry if you're if you were in the Viet Cong. Why you? Li- you should probably be in a nursing home by now. Well, you, you <laughs> definitely are. Uh, so they began to concentrate their fire on Morris and the other two guys. And, and during this barrage of fire, the enemy managed to wound the two men with Morris. So he did what any good Sarge would do. He got them the hell out of there, risking his own life. Now, I'm going to assume that he brought one at a time back. You know, he I, I, got one back to the to safety, and then he went back again for his other man and brought him back. I, I would hope, because if not, this motherfucker is, like, insane. I mean, if he's said, like, it, oh, no, no, I can carry two guys back. Fuck it, it. Who cares? It, it just says that he got them both back to safety. So maybe he got them both back together. Maybe he got them back separately. Not too sure. Um, military's like that. You know, they don't. They don't do specifics. They right. just kind of do, like, generalization. And the other thing to consider is one of them may not have been badly injured enough to not continue under his own mobility. True. Kind of, you know. So, after successfully getting them both back to safety, Morris would then continue on his mission of recovering the body of his fellow fallen commander. Seeing what he was doing, his unit laid down some covering fire for him. As Morris is making his way toward the body... He is taking fire from enemy machine gun emplacements. He's probably going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Or he's just not fucking thinking about it at all. He's got tunnel vision. Yep. Adrenaline's going. Yeah. Uh, He managed to avoid the the gunfire from the machine guns. And he began throwing grenades into the emplacements. (laughs) Destroying them one at a time. Fuck all y'all. And moving on. He would ultimately destroy a total of four machine gun nests. When he reached the bunker that his uh, that the commander was at, I can only guess there was enemies inside of it. He decides, I'm going to go in there. What? I'm sorry. What year was this? 1969. Phew. Okay. Yeah. So he goes inside the fucking bunker and kills everyone. <laughs> you ain't walking away. No. He then goes back out, picks up the commander, and proceeds back to friendly lines. While on his way back, he's not fortunate enough to actually get back behind the lines before being wounded three times. Jesus. Even though he's wounded, he managed to get back across the line with the commander. And for this action, he would be awarded... This is why... Well, for this action, he would be awarded at the time... With the Distinguished Cross, uh, a year about a year later right. on April of 1970, so for his action of extraordinary heroism. Okay, the reason I asked what year it was, 
is because I know from some books that I've read about guys that were in Vietnam. He was there during Tet Offensive and stuff. Okay. Well, what I was getting at was, was depending on how early on it was in the war, grenades probably would have been the most fucking reliable weapon he would have had. Because a lot of these guys that were in Vietnam during the beginning of the war, like 64, 65, 66, when they were given the original M16, it was basically a fucking yeah. dog toy. Paperweight. It was like a piece of shit. So it was in, in 19, it says, uh, 1969, the M16A1 was introduced, which was much more reliable. They'd worked out all the kinks and shit and then kind of yeah. started <laughs> you yeah. know, being able to hold your own and not have a fucking giant <laughs> plastic tube basically to you know yeah so he was there with the the newer right m16 um he strikes me as an m14 kind of guy though just going in there fucking you know i could go automatic but i'm gonna go single shot just because fuck you idiots yeah you know so iron sights motherfucker (laughs) to kind of show how badass and kind of um uh how much he loved or cared for everybody else I guess, or had that, I don't know how to describe it. And my dad put it this way to me when I asked. Sense of duty. Well, yeah, but it's also, it's how my dad put it to me when I asked, you know, his sense of duty or whatever. He goes, because he wanted to go back. Right. This guy did go back. And my dad's thing was, why should I not be over there and fighting while someone else is over there fighting? Right. He goes, I should be there. It's like why my dad didn't come home from Iraq at all. He goes, listen, I have to be here. I have to be doing this job. I had to be doing that job. I could not be somewhere else. Uh, cause, because if something happened to one of my guys and I was not around, that would haunt me. I, I think some of it comes into survivor's guilt as well. Where maybe it's it's more it's like. You know, a lot of a lot of people have the why am I still here when this person's gone and they're a better person than me, but that it could also apply to why am I allowed to go home while these guys are still over here dying? Yeah, and I'm not there helping them. Exactly. You know, so I mean, it, it's so after- it's not a feeling that I personally can relate to because I've never dealt with it, but I can't imagine it's a great thing to have none in the back of your fucking brain every day. No, I mean. I can sort of relate to it just because of having both my dad and brother in, you know. I mean, I can just relate to it by that way. Um, It's not as, you know, as much as them. Right. But It's a different side of it. Yeah. Some of you, you know, might, you know, might be like, yeah, I I can understand that. We we definitely do have some veterans that listen, so. So after receiving this medal, the Distinguished Cross... He would then return once again for his second tour of duty. Now, in addition to I mentioned before, he received a whole plethora, well, of medals and awards and ribbons and such. In addition to receiving the Medal of Honor in 2014 and the Distinguished Cross in uh, 1970, he would also receive the following: a Purple Heart. Well, that's for being wounded. Yep. A bronze medal with one bronze oak leaf cluster, which the oak leaf cluster means that he received the medal before. So that means he received two, two of them. Okay. Stars. 
Um, he received the Air Medal, which I this this I found fucking fascinating because I would you know I didn't really find anything more on it, but I'd have to like figure this out. He got this. Um, he was awarded this medal because for his of his heroism while in flight. Okay. What, 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 uh, wasn't he airborne also? Uh, I thought the picture that you had pulled up of him, yeah. I thought he was airborne. Well, yeah, because he, he was a Green Beret. He had right. to jump out of planes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Green Beret, you're like a fucking Swiss Army knife. you got to be are. able to do all the shit. You've you got to be able to jump out of a goddamn submarine. <laughs> you don't exist. Let's put it that way. Ow. Um, We know a guy like that right here in town during the same war that did some shit that he technically didn't exist what he was doing in countries that we weren't in but hey well yes uh he also received a see the army accommodation medal with a v and a bronze oak leaf cluster which is for an act of heroism with valor and had it received it before uh army conduct medal with one loop which means good conduct and he got this twice before hence the Hence the loop. Uh, you got the National Defense Service Medal, which a lot of people get. Um, the Armed Forces Expeditionary Medal, which a lot get. In um, these probably these two medals probably were awarded to your guy. He he would have also got. I'm assuming a campaign medal of some sort for fighting in Vietnam. Yes. Uh, he received. Let's see. Also, there's the. Vietnam Service Medal with one silver star, which means that he served in Vietnam for five campaigns. Uh, the non-commissioned Jesus. officer uh, professional development ribbon with three, the numeric, numeral three, which means that uh, he was a non-commissioned officer with three re- schools behind him. And those schools are, you know, I don't know, can range from different things. Like my dad went to one that was uh, called Beanock. There was ANOC, and I'm not sure what other one he probably went to. NBC, something like, like a you know nuclear biological chemical. Well, no, BNOC was uh, biological, ANOC was oh. uh, something else. So, um, he had he had to go to those to become a sergeant. Um, but then he went to some other ones. So, I mean, he went to parachuting school and you know, all this stuff. So, you know, he had some shit. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know if it's true, but I, I did just see something here where it looks like they had to counter counterweight the other side of his jacket because he had so much shit on one that it would have just fucking slid off. No. <laughs> no. no, no. Uh, this motherfucker had like 65 pounds of <laughs> metal on his, on his you know, uniform. Yeah, he had the, also he had the Army Service Ribbon. Uh, overseas service ribbon with a four on it, which means he had four deployments. So it must be he had, which didn't didn't talk about was what you know I I was reading, but so he had these two deployments, and I'm gonna guess he probably went to Korea. Uh, at some point, probably went twice to Korea. Um, he had the combat infantry badge, a uh, master parachutist badge. Expert marksmanship with a uh, rifle bar, which just means that you are pretty fucking good you with can, a rifle. You, you can shoot. <laughs> yeah. My, my brother, Ben, actually um, just barely missed out on this one when he was in uh, basic. I'm pretty sure. 
I guess he got the marksmanship, but he didn't get the expert mark, marksmanship. Uh, he had the fe- uh, Special Forces tab, the Republic of Vietnam gall- Gallantry Cross with Bronze Star, which was – he was awarded that twice. Uh, Republic of Vietnam Campaign Medal with a 60 device on it, which means that he served for six months uh, – That it either means one of the following things. Served for six months between March 1st, 1961 to uh, March 28th, 1973. Uh, served outside of Vietnam and still gave s- support for six months, but was wounded, captured, and escaped enemy forces. Or he was KIA uh, Vietnam. I'm assuming it wasn't that yeah. one. No. I'm going to guess that... Because that'd be some shit if he was killed in action and still got this award alive. I'm going to guess that the commander that died got that one. That would Um, make sense. But uh, he had served between 1961 to 73, so he got that award. Um, He also received the Vietnam Parachutist Badge because he parachuted into Vietnam. Which I can't imagine was an easy thing to do. Well, they have some fields. Yeah, but I mean, if you're even if they do have fields, yes, but you're also got to consider there's a lot of trees and a lot of the fields over there are rice fields, which you're landing in wet shit with a bunch of gear on. I'm pretty sure they also had some actual field fields. Cause I mean, if you say, I've seen some video with actual fields, like, you know, tall grass and shit where they are taking, you know, helicopters are fucking doing a, a soft touch, fucking and touch off. and go and dropping dudes. Yeah. But I mean, the Vietnamese were also real good shots with those AKs. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm sure they wouldn't give a fuck about shooting to somebody dropping down from the air. Um, let's see. The last three he received are, was the Republic of Vietnam Gall- Gallantry Cross Unit Citation with Palm, which is for service between 1954 and 1975. So everybody in the unit that served. Yeah, no matter, a unit designation yeah. thing. Yep. Um, the Republic of Vietnam Civil Action honor medal uh first class which no longer exists that medal doesn't exist anymore really which is a medal awarded to non-commissioned officers during vietnam well i mean that would make sense because we're not fighting in vietnam actively yeah i mean it's yeah they stopped actually i don't remember what the reason was so anyway this guy had when he received the medal of honor and you know with uh president barack obama his ribbons, badges, everything was probably about four inches to five inches high. <laughs> in, o- is... in other words, it took him a minute to go through the airport, taking them all off one at a time. No, no. Cause, <laughs> no, cause that, that was all on his class A's. Yeah. And besides, fuck it. You, you won a Medal of Honor. You get to walk through. You could walk through no, that no, no, metal no. detector. You win the medal. You are awarded it. I'm sorry. You you have the Medal of Honor. You could walk through a fucking metal detector with an M4, and they're like, fucking board it. It's the only medal that is saluted. When they when when somebody salutes a lower rank, your higher rank, no matter what, if you're if you're a sergeant, lowly sergeant, and there's a general there, they will salute, pop a salute, and they're not saluting you. They're saluting. They're saluting the medal. The medal. Um, I, I learned something kind of interesting because. Spoiler alert, the gentleman that I selected also has a Medal of Honor. When you retire, you get your military pension. Yep. If you have received the Medal of Honor, you also get like an additional $1,400 a month on top of that. Probably. Yeah. So I was like, that's, I mean, that's cool and all, but 
you'd kind of think for what a lot of these guys did, you could give them a little bit more than 1400 bucks a month. But, you know. I mean, the pensions, it just depends on your rank. Right. You know? I mean. But they also fly for free as well. Well, being the Medal of Honor yeah. recipient, yes. Even when they go back to being a civilian, they, you know, just like, sorry, we need to see your ticket. Um, well, there's not too many people that are, uh, <laughs> that are, you know, not civilians and received the Medal of Honor. No, like, sir, we're going to need to see your ticket. He just reaches in his shirt and he goes, that's my ticket right there. First class, mimosas. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? No, I've changed my mind. I'm flying the plane. Fight me. <laughs> uh, sir, no, you cannot fly the plane. Just because I've had a few cocktails doesn't mean that I can't. Uh, it means that I won't. Yes. doesn't mean that I can't. <laughs> I know you've had a few cocks, but you are not flying Whoa. the plane. Sorry. You uh, will sit back with the rest of the – well, okay, you'll sit ahead of everybody else, but, you know. You can sit in the cockpit if you want. But Don't it, touch anything. In the third seat. And when we bring the pilot's lunch, you can have yours then too. If you're a good boy, Got a deal. <laughs> we'll give you a sticker. You want to bring your dog in the plane? That's fine. Whatever. If Whatever if, you want. Just if the settle dog, the fuck down. If the dog pisses on anything – then we're gonna have words. That, I, I would just, I would use that as, a, as an excuse for everything. Be like, hey, uh, you know, walking your dog. Be like, you know, like, hey, you gonna pick up your dog shit? Nope, not gonna. Medal of Honor, pick it up. <laughs> Some would say that doesn't mean shit. Some um, would say I don't give a fuck what that means. Yeah. Some would say, ah, okay, you know. I just think it'd be funny to use like you get, you know, get out of jail free card for just dumb shit. You know, parking a handicap spot and you get you chewed out for it. Like, no. See, uh, Medal of Honor. So, <laughs> you see this little bugger? <laughs> see that thing hanging from my window, my, my rearview mirror? That means I can park where the fuck I want. It's not a handicap placard. Don't give a fuck. Uh, yes, and I know we're making, we're, we're having fun with, you know. We uh, have to. God damn it. Yes, I know we should not be. I do apologize. We're not making fun of anything. We're having fun with it. I know, but some would still take offense <sighs> that are in the military. Well, they or need, ex-military. They need to grow a sense of humor then. Because clearly neither one of us are ever going to win anything that cool. Or be awarded anything that cool. Because we're not that important. We haven't done anything that important. No. So, no. we're so, allowed to have fun with it. And again, we outrank them. We're civilians. So, yeah. So, so that, was, that was Mr. <laughs> Morris. So, pretty fucking badass man. Yeah. Um. What's your gentleman? Well, before we get to him, let's take a quick break. All right, let's take. And a uh, we'll come back with a a uh, little bit more modern take on a Veterans Day story. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we are back. We're back. So what's your guy? Uh, I am covering Staff Sergeant David Bellavia. Uh-huh. Who, at this point in time, well, technically I guess the war in Iraq is over. 
my guy technically your guy uh-huh. yeah either or <laughs> um he is the only living recipient of the medal of honor during the war in iraq there have been five others that were awarded the medal of honor yes um and i kind of i think it's important to mention them at least you know mention their names so that they're being Not recognized forgotten. yeah Sergeant First Class Paul R. Smith, Army, who was KIA April 4th, 2003. Corporal Jason Dunham, United States Marine Corps, KIA April 14th, 2004. Uh, Master at Arms Second Class Michael Monsoor, United States Navy, KIA September 29th, 2006. He is actually the only Navy SEAL that received the Medal of Honor during uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. Um, Specialist Ross A. McGinnis. Army, KIA, December 14th, 2006. Um, he would actually be the lowest-ranking serviceman to receive the award during Operation Iraqi Freedom. Yeah. Um, and and generally, specialists are usually younger dudes, like late teens, early 20s younger dudes. Yeah. Staff Sergeant Travis Atkins, Army, KIA, June 1st, 2007. So, yeah, like I said, I just wanted to mention these guys because they deserve it you know and they did badass things right in their own right um, i mean two of them threw them their bodies on three of them <laughs> uh two of them did two of them threw their bodies on grenades right well one of them uh, the third one i'm sorry was not a grenade he died yeah. in a hand-to-hand struggle with a suicide bomber to protect yeah. some of his other guys which that's Fucking that was the, crazy that was the seal, yeah. And then uh, one of them mounted a fifty caliber machine gun. I believe that was uh, Smith. That was on a downed. Uh, yeah, he was on his on a mounted machine gun on a weapon on a vehicle that was disabled, and he took out fifty. Iraqis. He pulled a fucking Audie Murphy, or well, or insurgents, or whatever the hell they were. Just killed 50 of them. Took them down. Plus. And every single one of his guys got back. And he died. He paid made, paid the ultimate price. So again, this is not <laughs> this is not a medal they just fucking give out willy-nilly to people that are like, oh, so you're there? Oh, Medal of Honor. Here you go. You know, you've yeah. got to... You, you have to earn it. So David Bellavia was born November 10th, 1975 in Lindenville, New York, which is... Kind of like it's near the shore of Lake Ontario. It's about halfway between Rochester and Niagara Falls, but just a bit north. So about uh, three and a half, four hours away from us. Some, something like that. Something close. Um, we definitely have listeners that live a lot closer than that. So from everything I found, had a fairly normal childhood growing up. He was the youngest of four boys, which to me means his mother must have been a saint. I mean, <laughs> having the patience to deal with four you know, four boys, Lizetta. No, stop it. He attended Lindenville Central High School and Houghton Academy, which is a Christian boarding school. Um, he graduated from high school in 1994 and then would attend Franklin Pierce University in Ringe, New Hampshire, which is on the southern border of New Hampshire with Massachusetts, about two hours from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would also return to his home state and attend the University of Buffalo, where he would study, strangely enough, biology and theater. Weird combo. Neither one really come into play, but, you know. So he must not have graduated them. Oh, no, he did. Graduated from college. 
And he was only a sergeant? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because he didn't, I mean, technically he didn't have anything that would have really helped him in his career path in the military. Anything would have. Because that's just automatic, like, almost, I mean, unless he was already in. Which he, I, I don't know. Um, David would enlist in the army as an 11 Bravo, which is an infantryman, in 1999. After completing one station unit training, which I had to look up because I wasn't sure what exactly it was. Yeah. It's a program where you stay with the same unit in basic training and when you go off to AIT or advanced individual training. Yep. Which makes sense because it was a, the whole unit was infantry. Yeah. You didn't have anybody specializing in one particular thing. You just had a bunch of infantry dudes. So after completing all of that training, he was assigned to the Syracuse Recruiting Battalion. Um, the Army did this to help him because his wife and his son needed medical care due to an, uh, an illness or birth defect. It doesn't really go into it, but their son needed some pretty severe medical care. So they stationed him somewhere near a hospital where he could be with his family and still do something with the Army. With everything going on with his family, he was given three options by the Army in 2001. One, change his occupational specialty to something where he could stay stateside and local for his family, like, you know, become a full, uh, full-time recruiter, become something mm-hmm. in the area. Uh, submit for a hardship discharge or remain in the infantry and go on a 36-month tour in Germany and leave his family home. So, since the story doesn't end there, he didn't choose options two or one. His choice was made for him at 9.03 a.m. on September 11, 2001, when the second plane hit the World Trade Center. This sparked something in him that he decided to stay in the infantry and go fight. Much like his grandfather on his mom's side, uh, his grandpa Joe, who served in the army, and made the hard charge up the beaches of Normandy to kill some filthy goddamn Nazis and earn a bronze star in the process. So, David Bellavia's got bad motherfucker, like, in his veins. Yeah. He can't help it. It's genetic. So, in 2003, Bellavia's unit, and I went through the whole thing because it's always fascinated me how military units are like broken down and I have no idea how any of it works. Okay. So his unit was third platoon, alpha company, second battalion, second regiment, third, uh, third brigade combat team, first infantry division. They were deployed to Kosovo for nine months. Uh, he had missed the war in Kosovo by a few years, but it still wasn't like, uh, a real peaceful area of the world. The war in Kosovo, in a nutshell, because I, I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit because I don't know a lot about it, but it seems important. It was fought between the Kosovo Liberation Army, NATO, and former Yugoslavia. So you have NATO and the mm-hmm. uh, the KLA on the other side. Uh, on the it's when Yugoslavia uh, yeah. like actually broke up, or Czechoslovakia no longer exists, or whatever Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia it yeah, is. it actually like broke up in. Is now well. There's Yugoslavia, but then there's whatever the fuck it is. I don't understand how the Balkans work. It's kind of like Africa, where countries seem to change names on like a decade. Well, no, this was just there was just civil war, right? 
all out civil war broke out. So I know that nearly 14,000 people died. It was bad. And like five, like in the neighborhood of 5,000 are still missing. And an unknown number of people were permanently displaced from their homes. Uh, It's just another reminder that no matter when or where or why a war is fought, the people that suffer the most are not the one, not always the ones doing the actual fighting. Mm -hmm. It's the people stuck in the middle, you know, war is hell and it never changes. It never fucking will. It will advance technologically, but it will never change or stop. No, because that's just what we are as a species. We're warrior monkeys. It changed to the fact that at one time, war was a little more civilized. Oh, yeah. It was definitely more romantic. It was fought on some faraway land. Uh Uh-huh. Never in towns. Always out in a field. Yep. Somewhere. Yep. Yeah, they met. Be it France or Virginia, it was in a field. Well, Civil War was different, because Civil War, it was brought into towns. Not as often, though. Not as often, but it was, it was you know, it was the first war we had been involved in that kind of went to, w- w- would come into towns. Right. Um, you know, then beyond that, well... <laughs> Surprise! We're in towns. Well, you get you, like even think about it like this: you had at the beginning of World War II when the French were still, when they technically still had an army to fight the Germans with. A lot of these guys that were fighting remember hearing stories from their dads who fought in World War One and how romantic it was, and you know this, that, the other, and they would go to war, and their fathers. World War One uniforms wearing these bright blue jackets, red hats, and white gloves, thinking they're going to be fighting in trenches. Well, some... And then they get fucking, you know, picked off because they are dressed like a train conductor in the middle of a field, and some German guy's like, the fuck is this? <laughs> well, I mean, some of them, some of the people that fought in World War Two still remember World War One, Right. Because... You know, it was still a blight on them. Right. Because... <laughs> and some of them served in it. And, but then some of them that fought in World War One, remember the Boer War. You know? Well, they would have been in Africa for that. Or, well, or the... the uh, Whatever the fucking Hundred Years War, or whatever the fuck yeah. it was. Yeah, there, there was guys that served in World War One that had, like, a father or a grandfather that fought for goddamn Napoleon. That are like, oh, man, it's great. You go and... It's it's fucking glorious. And then you end up with trench foot getting eaten alive by rats. So how glorious is that? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you know, Americans knew what war was like because Cause that's kind of what we do. Well, no, they, they they American civilians got to learn what war was like because of this certain gentleman that took pictures of the trenches yeah. of, you know, the Civil War, and kind of was like, it's not so romantic, motherfuckers. Yeah, and it's really not romantic because you're out there trying to kill your own people. Like, people that you could have potentially known your whole lives, but because you have a different ideology, you're trying to shoot that person. Mm -hmm. That kind of rings true still today, but we won't go too far into that because, you know. But, you know, anyway, so... 
He's he, Kosovo. Right. And before we get too far into like kind of where he goes from here, I thought it was important to kind of talk a little bit about the 1st Infantry Division because they've been around a long-ass time. Yes. The Bloody Fist, whatever you want to call them. The 1st Infantry Division have been around since 1917. Um, they were technically originally formed as the United States um, Expeditionary Force. Mm-hmm. And in 1917, when they first got to Europe to fight in World War uh, World War One, they became the 1st Infantry Division because they were the first infantry division to yep. fight there. Hence, you know. Uh, these guys have fought in some of the most important battles in American history. Uh, again, they, they, they helped push the Germans back from the city limits of Paris during World War I. Uh, they were a huge part of the initial attacks on the beachheads at Normandy. Mm-hmm. They fought in North Africa, Sicily. They pushed through the Siegfried Line and drove across the Rhine. Um, in other words, during World War I and World War II, these guys were the fucking boogeymen to the Germans. Yeah. Like, if there was, like, two like two things during World War II that the Germans didn't want to deal with, it was these guys and the motherfuckers jumping out of planes because <laughs> they made everybody's lives miserable. And then eventually it was, you know, those guys in tanks. Yeah. That, now, know, Patton was a motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, if, if there was Germans that needed to be killed, there would be the 1st Infantry Division, like, hot on their asses, you know. Uh, they kind of took a little bit of a break for Korea, but that's because they were busy occupying Germany and running security for the Nuremberg Trials and transporting scumbags to where they would meet their final fate when they needed it. Listen. Fucking good on you. That's fine. You gotta, no complaints. You got to do what you got to do. Um, and they were also involved in Vietnam during some of like the hottest parts of the war from like 1965 to 1970. These guys have seen some shit over the years. Um, and you know, I, I think I thought it was important, especially talking about like World War II as much as we did here with, with these guys. The infantry seem like they get forgotten about because everybody wants to talk about airborne. You know, because it was the new fancy toy during World War II. Yes, the Airborne were bad motherfuckers. They did some crazy, crazy shit. But so did the infantry. And there's actually a first infantry division museum in Wheaton, Illinois, that I stumbled across doing my research. I want to go visit it. It's fucking awesome. When your division is badass enough that you have an entire museum for just you guys... I mean, there's fucking planes, there's helicopters, there's tanks. Like, every uniform that they've ever worn throughout the years, they've got, like, all their whole arsenal of different weapons that they would have carried right up my fucking alley. I, you know, if I I, I could go to Illinois, I'd check it out. It's a little bit of a drive, but... So after the nine-month deployment in Kosovo ended, Bellavia and his unit were shipped directly into the shit. No detours, no pass and go and collecting $200... They were sent directly into Diyala province in Iraq, which is on the eastern border of Iraq with Iran. Mm. This is the province that um, it's it's just east. Like, it's the next province over from where Baghdad's located. Okay. 
And, you know, that's not a big deal. There was nothing really going on in Baghdad in 2004, 2005. No big deal. Whatever. <laughs> so his task force would take part in some of the most intense battles of the early years of the war, including the Second Battle of Najaf, which took place between August 5th and August 27th of 2004. Um, there were 18 KIA and 100-plus Americans wounded. Uh, the Battle of Mosul, which was between November 8th and November 16th, 2004. Uh, another 18 KIA and 170 wounded. Um, I remember reading a lot about both of these because this happened my sophomore year of high school. And it was kind of like <laughs> you, you had no choice but to read about it because it was fucking everywhere. I was just hoping that my dad and brother weren't going. Right. And that what, what, year, what year did your dad go? 2006? Uh, or is it five? He was no, yeah, he was over there in six. But he left in two thousand five, right? Because yeah. I was still in high school when he left. Yeah, he left and he uh, left my beginning of my senior year, I think. He uh, technically, I guess, he left in two uh, October of five, and um, was over there until no, no, it was. Because I thought he came back 16. in, like, 2007, right? Yeah, he came back in uh, October of 2007. He was over there a year. year a year, a year and a half. He was, like, 16 months. Yeah. 18 months, something like that. Yeah. He, he was there a while. Yeah, he was, like, so it was a year and six months, a year and a half. So, yeah, it would have been, uh, so 2007. So it would have been, yeah, because he had, he had, do, had to do, like, uh, some deployment in... Uh, Oklahoma or something like that. Yeah, first. like pre-deployment kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and my brother actually was in Afghanistan um, in 2005. Right. So. Um, and again, all of the above casualties that I mentioned are Americans. I didn't include the uh, Canadians, Brits, Poles, or um, I believe there were some Germans that were also uh, either wounded or killed in those battles. Mm. Um, again, not taking anything away from anybody else. We're just focusing on Americans for this yep. for this episode. But the battle that we're going to focus on for the rest of the story is the Second Battle of Fallujah. Oh. This one was a bitch. All of these, all of the like aforementioned actions that I just talked about here could be their own episodes by themselves. Just talking about the shit that went on, the guys that were there, and what they ended up having to do, and this, that, the other. Um, but for this, we're gonna obviously we're gonna focus on Fallujah and the rest of it here. Fallujah was a hotspot. State hotspot is a hotspot. They went back. They were there twice because the first time they went in, they quote unquote cleared the area and um, left. <laughs> and. So, well, anyway, so the Battle of Fallujah or Operation Phantom Fury, which is a fucking awesome name, <laughs> started uh, November 7th, 2004, when coalition forces entered Fallujah for the second time after Saddam Hussein and his Ba'ath Party had been removed from power. And situation like this, obviously, you have a major political leader who has been removed, and that's going to create a power vacuum. Well, he's been sort of removed. He's not... 
that he's been he hasn't been found but he's not in power anymore no he's just been you know hey sayonara senor yeah. or, or but you know y'all ever heard of spider holes i got I, a bunch of them <laughs> i don't know where the fuck you are but you know if we don't find you we're gonna kill you yeah spoiler alert i think we hung him we didn't <laughs> they hung him either or um, we just built the platform. Yeah. <laughs> we built the platform. We kicked the fucking stool out from under him. We didn't hang him. He technically hung himself. Mm. We just helped. That's a possibility. So the city became a magnet for resistance fighters and Muslims from all over the Middle East that wanted to just get into the fight and stick it to the great Satan as we are. Well. You know. Um, so these forces set up checkpoints. All across the city and around the exterior of the city. And as soon as people that lived in Fallujah started seeing what was going on, nearly 300,000 civilians abandoned their homes and just got the fuck out of there before the, before the fighting started again. They'd been through it once. They don't want to deal with it again. That's a lot of people. I mean, 300,000 people to just up and poof move, like basically overnight. That's that that should be taken as a sign. Yeah. Like there's some shit going on here. So knowing what they had been through the last time they entered the city, coalition forces pound the city with artillery and airstrikes just trying to loosen up some of the um like the insurgents and their like their little hidey holes and all that. Yeah. It didn't really work. When US and Allied forces entered the city, the tight streets and close uh, and close together buildings proved to be an almost unfair advantage for the home team. Fighting like this is a lot more dangerous for the advancing force than it is for the defend the defenders, due to a few different factors. Um, the people defending have you know they they have time to dig in and fortify positions, build stockpiles and munitions, and distribute everything accordingly, depending on where you want to defend as a, you know, where, where you find more important to defend or easier to defend. Yeah. The defenders are much more familiar with the area, making it easy to block roads, uh, booby trap areas, set up ambushes, including a tactic called a fatal funnel, which uh, the defenders create a blockage that funnels the, a larger force into a smaller area and then attack them from basically every side. That's not a new thing. That's people have been doing that to each other for fucking centuries look at 300 <laughs> this was basically vietnam but more modern this was vietnam in the desert yeah uh, and the the defenders generally don't have a supply chain that they have to worry about being cut off from and if they can get in behind an attacking force they can slowly just suffocate them and keep them away from any potential supplies coming in or reinforcements coming in and just make everybody's life not fun um, and especially with the modern fighting equipment that we have nowadays, how it was used more in Iraq than in Afghanistan, it's it's harder. It was harder for them to maneuver in Iraq with these big, heavy fighting machines because there was a. It's a more densely populated country. There's more cities, more tight little spaces and streets. So this kind of lessens the effectiveness of these giant ass machines so you can't really make like a quick turn down the side street and whatever yeah it kind of reminds me of what you saw like black hawk down where you have a fucking 
convoy of, of Humvees that they go down the street and then they get to a corner and they're like, we can't fucking go anywhere. We got to back up. This is really bad, you know, which is why urban combat fucking sucks. Yeah, that's what I learned. Uh, my dad said that it's kind of got to the point where they're like, all right, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Alpha Bravo Tango 2 Niner. <laughs> uh, we're going to need a little bit of fucking support here. Yeah. And next thing you know, you hear fucking... Fire for effect. Uh. You, you hear fucking <laughs> helicopter come in, fucking... Yeah. And it fucking laid down fire, and it was like, yep. They're gone. I mean, when you're the richest kid on the playground and you got all the best toys, you might as well fucking use them. Yeah. You know, we can send 150 dudes in in trucks or we could level this entire motherfucker with artillery in 35 seconds. So I guess fucking light them up. Let's see. <laughs> they still didn't play fair, though. No. Because, um, you know, there was fucking IEDs, which, which was on the roads. Yeah. And you had to worry about those. I the mean. the other thing that I didn't really know a lot about was obviously these guys are going door to door, house to house, clearing buildings. They got to the point where after a few guys had been blown up, opening a fucking door that they're like, okay, we're not going to open doors anywhere. We're going to make our own. And they would literally just see for whatever the side of a building and just blow a fucking hole in it and go in because that was easier than having to check every doorknob and seeing if there's a fucking grenade connected to it or whatever and blowing some guy up. Yep. And actually I can't remember if it was, oh, fuck. I can't remember if, if it was in Afghanistan or in Iraq, I saw like a reenactment of a thing from one of the, one of the wars where they were talking about, they went into a building and one of the guys opened the door. He turned the knob and they heard a glass break and then the front of the house fucking blew up because whoever had booby trapped it had just taken like an old Soviet fucking uh, grenade, set it in a glass, pulled the pin so that the, 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 the spoon on the grenade was still holding everything. They set it in a glass and then set that glass between the doorknob and the door frame. Mm -hmm. And when the door opened, it dropped the glass shattered and fucking exploded. That's pretty crafty, but also terrifying. That's like, the, the, the fucking Viet Cong used to teal, like steal the guys like spam cans and shit and make yeah. landmines out of that. So after two days of intense house to house fighting and taking casualties along the way on November 10th, 2004 staff Sergeant Bellavia and his team were tasked with clearing a block of 12 buildings that Americans had been taking fire from for over a day. So from here, I'm going to read verbatim from his medal of honor citation. So this is directly from, from, you know, the, the fucking actual document. Yeah, it's it's the uh, I don't know, whatever the yeah it's the documentation that pretty much cites what how you got the award. I, right. I have one from my my grandfather when he got his uh, from his being awarded the uh, bronze star. I mean, it's it's kind of a dry read, it's but very dry. it's very detailed. Which, if there's one thing you can say about army papers, they're boring, but there's a lot of detail. And someone <laughs> and someone that witnessed this. Yes. Had to be one or two witnesses actually had wit had to witness this, and without them, any coercion coercion from that person, they had to put this in. Yes. Submit it in to be you know so a commanding officer had to go to someone to be submitted to um up to upper echelon to be awarded the Medal of Honor. And we had something weird happen with one of the I can't remember who it was. 
uh, it was one of our badass episodes that we did before where this guy had done something fucking insane. And somebody like uh, a lieutenant colonel or somebody from on a hill was watching it and was like, okay, well, I'm going to start the paperwork. And like, as he was working on the paperwork, like three days later, he was killed. So he never was awarded the, the, the medal that he was being recommended for because the guy that started the process died yeah. <laughs> and nobody was like, Hey, maybe we should go through his paperwork or some shit. They're like, ah, fuck it. Shred it. You know? Okay. So let's, uh, let's get started here. The president of the United States of America authorized by act of Congress, July 9, 1918 amended by an act on July 25th, 1963 takes pleasure in presenting the silver star to staff Sergeant David S. Bellavia United States Army for conspicuous gallantry and, and intrepidity and action while serving with Company A, Task Force 22, 2nd Battalion, 2nd Infantry Regiment, 1st Infantry Division. During combat operations in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom during the Battle of Al Fallujah, Iraq on 10 November 2004, Staff Sergeant Bellavia's personal bravery and selfless acts are in keeping with the highest tradition of the military service and reflect great credit upon himself. 1st Infantry Division and the United States Army. Narrative to accompany award. Staff Sergeant David S. Bellavia distinguished himself by conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity in action while serving with Company A, Task Force 22, 1st Infantry Division in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom during the Battle of Al Fallujah, Iraq on 10 November 2004. On that date, Sergeant Bellavia's platoon was ordered to clear a block of 12 buildings from which jihadists were firing on American forces. The first nine buildings were unoccupied, but were found to be filled with enemy rockets, grenade launchers, and other kinds of weapons. When Bellavia and four others entered the 10th building, they came under fire from insurgents in the house. Other soldiers came to reinforce the squad and a fierce battle at close quarters ensued. Many American soldiers were wounded from the gunfire and flying debris. At this point, Sergeant Bellavia, armed with a M249 squad automatic weapon, or SAW, entered the room where the insurgents were located and sprayed the room with gunfire, forcing the jihadists to take cover and allow the squad to move out into the street. Jihadists on the roof began firing at the squad, forcing them to take cover in a nearby building. Sergeant Bellavia then went back to the street and called in a Bradley fighting vehicle to shell the houses. Fucking gangster. (laughs) I'm done with this one. Blow it the fuck up. After this was done, he decided to re-enter the building to determine whether the enemy fighters were still active. Seeing a jihadist loading an RPG launcher, Sergeant Bellavia gunned him down. A second jihadist began firing as the soldier ran toward the kitchen, and Bellavia fired back, wounding him in the shoulder. A third jihadist began yelling from the second floor. Sergeant Bellavia then entered the uncleared master bedroom and emptied gunfire into all the corners, at which point the wounded insurgent entered the room yelling and firing his weapon. Bellavia fired back, killing the man. Sergeant Bellavia then came under fire from the insurgent upstairs and the staff sergeant returned fire, killing the man. At this point, a jihadist hiding in a wardrobe in a bedroom jumped out, firing wildly around the room and knocking over the wardrobe. So this fucking dude jumps out of a closet, just like, and fucking shooting. As the man leapt over the bed, he tripped, and Sergeant Bellavia shot him several times, wounding him but not killing him. Another insurgent was yelling from upstairs. The wounded jihadist escaped the bedroom and ran upstairs. Sergeant Sergeant Bellavia pursued but slipped on the blood-soaked stairs. The wounded insurgent fired at him but missed. Fucking talk about, like, divine intervention being lucky, whatever. He followed the bloody tracks up the stairs to a room to the left. 
Hearing the wounded insurgent inside, he threw a fragmentary grenade into the room, sending the wounded jihadist onto the roof. The insurgent fired his weapon in all directions until he ran out of ammunition. He then started back into the bedroom, which was rapidly filling with smoke. Hearing two other insurgents screaming from the third story of the building, Sergeant Bellavia put a chokehold on the wounded insurgent to keep him from giving away their position. <sighs> Holy fuck. Okay. The wounded jihadist then bit Sergeant Bellavia on the arm and smacked him in the face with the butt of his AK-47. In the wild scuffle that followed, Sergeant Bellavia took out his knife and slit the jihadist's throat. Fuck. Uh, two other insurgents who were trying to come to their comrade's rescue fired at Bellavia, and he had slipped out of the room, which was now full of smoke and fire. Without warning, another insurgent dropped from the third story to the second story roof. Sergeant Bellavia fired at him, hitting him in the back and the legs, causing him to fall off the roof dead. At this point, five members of 3rd Platoon entered the house and took control of the first floor. Before they would finish off the remaining jihadists, however, they were ordered to move out of the area because close air support had been called in by a nearby unit. Fuck. Like, and this this wasn't over the course of a couple hours. This was minutes. Yeah. Like, this was bang, bang, like, fucking turning double plays all over the fucking place. So his action was the textbook definition of the 1st Infantry Division's motto, no mission too difficult, no sacrifice too great, duty first. After leaving the army in 2005, he would continue his badass activities when he co-founded Vets for Freedom, which is a veteran advocacy organization that sought to separate politics from the warriors who fought in the field. Mm -hmm. Their membership consists of tens of thousands of veterans who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. Bellavia returned to Iraq as an embedded reporter in 2006 and 2008, when he covered the heavy fighting in Ramadi, Fallujah again, and Diyala province. In 2007, he wrote a book, House to House, detailing his experiences in Fallujah. He also has several articles appear in national publications and has been, uh, made appearances as a guest on cable news networks. Um, Bellavia currently is a successful business owner, and this is the only thing I can find fault with this guy for. He's a Buffalo sports fan. I mean, well, he can't be perfect, I guess. I but. mean... You know, if you're from the area. I, fucking, I guess go Sabres. I'm, a, and that's coming from a Bruins fan, but respect. You know, you're you're a fair weather Bruins fan. Let's I I'm a Bruins fan when I get to watch hockey. So you're a fair weather Bruins fan. No, because it's not like I like the Bruins and then I like fucking you know the Blues or some shit. No, you you. I like I, my bees. My brother would call you a fair weather fan because you don't watch them all the time. Because I don't have the ability to watch them all the time. Wow. Because I don't have cable. What's that? mine because i'm cheap um but yeah that's uh that's what i've got for staff sergeant david bellavia um i i they must have had to fucking like custom tailor this guy's pants to fit his huge balls in there when he was done because holy shit what yeah. a fucking like i mean whew. honestly the the two guys we covered received the top three medals yeah um actually or actually the top Four medals because I do have a list of everything else that he has. Um, he had he was awarded the following, and there's a a list. It's not like your list, but there's a list. So he he's been awarded the New York State Conspicuous Service Cross, the NATO Medal uh, Medal for Service in ex Yugoslavia, the over uh, Army Overseas Service Ribbon yep. with award numeral two, yep. uh, the Army Service Ribbon. Army NCO Professional Development Ribbon with bronze uh, with bronze 
award numeral two, uh, Global War on Terrorism uh, Service Medal, Global War on Terrorism Expeditionary Medal, Iraq Campaign Medal, Kosovo Campaign Medal with one bronze uh, with one bronze service star, uh, National Defense Service Medal, Army Good Conduct Medal twice, um, Army Presidential Unit Citation, Army Achievement Medal with Oak Leaf, Oak Leaf Cluster. Yeah, he got that before. Army Commendation Medal with one bronze one uh, with one bronze Oak Leaf Cluster. The Bronze Star, and of course, he was awarded the Medal of Honor. Um, his ceremony took place uh, June 25th of last year, 2019. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's combat infantry badge, expert marksmanship badge with one weapon bar, um, first infantry division combat service identification badge. Obviously, that's just your your unit patch. Uh, second infantry regiment distinctive unit insignia. Uh, no, 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 not your patch. That's your that's your. What you're part of. Right. Uh, two service stripes, two overseas service bars. Like, again, not the the chest full of metal like what uh, what Melvin Morris had, but still well well earned, well deserved. I mean, hey, we, uh, whew. I mean, a lot of those, you know, they would, he would say, eh, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just what it is, what it is. Everybody. Yeah. It's know. a piece of metal. I don't care. It, it's, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, you know, unless you're one of those guys, it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, okay, you know, oh, yeah, look at me, I'm a hero, yeah, this and that, you know. Yeah. yeah he, he's probably not like that. Uh, he, from, I've, I've seen some interviews with him, doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. Seems like a normal dude who was just, you know... Yeah. For the, the way I'm assuming he would see it is I'm just a normal guy that was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Yep. I just happen to be in either A, the right place at the right time, or B, the wrong place at the right time, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's like my dad. I, he got the bronze star. I yeah. don't know why. He won't tell me. Nope. But he got it, and I don't know. I mean, like, I, I didn't – my grandfather got it, and I am – kind of baffled how he didn't actually get the silver star but that's not for me to decide right i mean you know he wasn't in combat so i guess you know you don't get this get that distinction because mostly it's for being combat of the silver star but you know i guess i figure hey my grandfather saved two people's lives yeah you know so I mean, but you know, you you pay the ultimate price, and he's probably, you know, he he's still thinking about these got those guys, you know. That, oh, hundred percent. I I can't imagine this is something that he doesn't that he doesn't think about maybe daily, just because of what he went through. Yeah, you know, I. I Again, I've never been in a situation like that, but I can't imagine that's an easy thing to get out of your head. No, definitely not. Um, I mean, just from my father, you know, I PTSD is, you know, people say, oh, get over it. You no. can't get over it. <laughs> it's you know, not that easy. Not that easy. You still, you know, you're carrying it home. You're bringing it home. You're bringing it home to your kids, your wife. Some people handle it differently than others. Yeah. But it's 
it's something that's always with you, I would think, you yeah. know. You have the nightmares, yeah, you know. You're a, you're a kid, you know. You you find your father, you know. You might be doing something fucking, you know, see him waking up and he's you know, not sleeping in his bed or whatever. He's doing something else or I don't know. It's just kind of for me it kind of just kind of like hits home a little bit and these people you know gave their I, I don't know <laughs> it's it, rough to talk about it's not an easy thing to put into words no what you know what these guys did yeah and it's it's just you know and I mean it's I'm glad that I found the citation that I did because being so dry and like sanitized made it a little bit easier to try to comprehend exactly what happened. Yeah. Because I'm sure if, if I were to have read his book and got his firsthand experience, that would have been a, that would have been so much different to try to explain where, you know, you're, you're, you're hearing it from the person that actually experienced it and like what is going on in his head. Because I'm sure he's not just thinking, oh, I'm going to go in here and fucking kill these guys. He's thinking more, I got to get my guys out of there. And I hope that I can get out of there, too. That would be great. Yeah. You know? It, it, it's like... Because uh, um, it's like it, a lot of people think it's that whole, like, macho bullshit where you're like, oh, fuck. Pff, I'm going to go in here and fuck these guys up. No. No, the, these guys, I... <laughs> after the fact, they might, like, talk shit like that, but... During the whole thing, I can't imagine that they're like not I bet, I bet shit in their pants the whole time. I bet he puked. Oh, I dude, I would have shit myself like legitimately the whole time. I bet he puked after the fact. fucking fear farts and just you know. Or if he didn't, he was fucking shaking like a like oh, a yeah. fucking leaf because oh, yeah. of what he just did. Yeah, because that's not an easy thing to process. You just killed people. Your adrenaline just fucking <laughs> is adrenaline overload. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where you just killed somebody or a few somebodies. If you just go back normal from that, you need to see a doctor. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're an enemy combatant or not. If you did that and you're okay with it, you're like, eh, whatever. Then like you, you, yeah, you need to see a doctor because there's something not right with your brain. No, you you should be a little like, oh, fuck. What just happened? Exactly. You You know, you definitely should be. And you should be a little shaken up at least. Yeah. I mean, not, not in the moment shaken up, but afterwards after you've had time to like reflect and be like oh fuck yeah you know? what what the fuck did i just do or what the fuck just happened how you know how did i do that you, you yeah. want you want a perfect example of that listen to um uh another medal of honor recipient dakota meyer do an interview about what he went through and what he did there or just reflect dude i i fucking cried listening to it or cuz you yeah. can tell how emotional he was about the whole thing he's like in the moment it's one thing but afterwards when you get to sit down and go what the fuck did i just do it's like it, it it's it's jarring to yeah, listen it's, to it's like uh well uh, watch uh like band of brothers where you see uh captain winners where they're i can't remember exactly where they are but they had come along some uh, trench. I think they were in like Amsterdam or something. Oh, and then he's dike. on the train and he keeps seeing the the fucking like child that he shot. Yeah, he yeah. Was, or see a guy that he shot. Cause well, he was, he was a fucking kid. Yeah, I mean, because he, you know, they went down a dike, went down. He positioned his men. And he goes, okay, I'm 
when I get so far, I'm going to throw a flare, and I want you, then you guys come running, you know, T minus, you know, whatever time, and did that, and he fucking, you know, booked off, and by the time he got to this next little dike, he, I mean, what he saw, he was like, oh, shit, because this wasn't just, you know, army. No, it was you know, fucking SS. Yeah, this was, you know, SS. This was fucking It was badass. like a, a battalion or some shit. There was a bunch of them. Yeah. There weren't a couple. And he fucking opened fire on them. Yeah, like he, like, if you're going from, obviously, the show, this one guy, like, just kind of looks up at him. And he looks like he's, like, fucking 12. And yeah. he just, like, kind of looks at him. And <laughs> fucking Winters just smokes his ass. And then after that, he starts seeing the kid on the fucking train when he goes on R&R. He's, yeah, you know, you 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 see the things you you know you don't. Yeah, I mean, it, it I doesn't get it out of your fucking head. I can't imagine he doesn't see those guys' faces every night. Just like, you know, I don't know. Again, never been in that situation. I can't really speak to it other than what I think. Yeah, and if you're you know you happen to be you mean you know if you you're talking you know we're talking about this and if you've been into the situation you you don't. You can. We you could can, be completely fucking wrong. We have you can, no you idea. Can, you can. You can tell us. I mean, if you want to, if you want to, you know, just write us a little message on Facebook or you know, email us at darkwindowspodcast.com. Darkwindowspod.com. Yeah. Dark, dark, darkwindowspod dark at gmail at gmail.com. <laughs> you can do that too, um, or you know, because I can only go off of what my dad says, and you know, I mean, I I see what my dad is like. After the fact, I know what my brother's like, you know, my brother came back from Afghanistan and he was so fucked up that he saw um, somebody on the street. I don't know. It was uh, and he f- almost fucking went and tackled them because, you know, of whatever they were doing. Yeah. I mean, when you're in the situation and like my dad, it took him two years to be able to drive normal. You know, he was, we'd go along the road, like the first day home, no, he he didn't drive. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it was bad. It was, you know, I mean, you remember his first Christmas, huh? Mm-hmm. But I mean. I remember his first 4th of July. That was not as exciting either. No, but he was, I mean, first, when he first got home, he was on edge. Yeah, we made him fly in an airplane, you know, not even a month after weeks after being home and he was uh he was pretty rough but i mean still to this day i mean he's gotten better but he oh still yeah has, leaps and bounds he still has his moments right where you know he he uh do not stand behind him no you can't stand behind him i mean you know some of you might be like yep that's true. Just it makes him uncomfortable, and I'm like, okay, no problem. You know, he dreams. Don't wake him up. You know, like goes if he goes for surgery, he can't be. Uh, my mom has to wake him up, or has to be there to wake him up, right? Because if not, my dad flips shit. The, I I still I still get a laugh out of it. Was uh, um, I was like 23, I think, and I bought an AK because I fucking always wanted one, and. Uh, I was having some issues with it. And he's like, I'll oh, bring it over. I'm like, you sure? It's like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. I brought it over. And he's like showing me how to, how to fix something on it. And, uh, he hands it back to me and he goes, 
you're welcome, and never bring that fucking thing in my house again. <laughs> I'm like, I asked if you wanted me to, and he goes, he's like, I didn't want you to, but it's because it's you. I said yes. I'm like, okay. So. Yeah. But now we just have dick measuring competitions with their fucking AR-15s to see whose is better. <laughs> and he'll tell you his is better. Yeah. It's like my, oh, yeah, well, mine's shorter, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that is uh, two of the many badasses yeah. out there. Um, maybe, I guess, maybe one of these days we might have to do uh, some badasses, you know, from other countries, maybe. And I honestly, I think this is the first time we've covered um, servicemen that were still alive. Yeah. At the time of recording, at least. Yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah, dude, no. I've got a fucking list as long as a gorilla's arm of badasses from other countries. Holy Jesus. I'm a lot gonna... of them are British, but still, yeah. fuck. A lot of them out there. <sighs> So yeah, once again, so the name Jack Churchill jumps to the top yes. of my fucking list. Yes. Oh wait, it's 1944. I just got off a Higgins boat, and I pinned a filthy, disgusting fucking Nazi to a wall with a longbow in 1944 with my fucking claymore and bagpipe strapped to my back. Suck every dick that's ever existed, Hitler. Like hey. this. That motherfucker tried to enlist in the United States Army to go fight in Japan. <laughs> it is what it is, like, man. Fuck, dude. Like, it's, he it's, wanted it. <laughs> he, he, wa- he wanted the other theater. Oh, he would have just gone over there and just fucking put his balls in Hirohito's mouth and be like, "Hmm, good with tea." Fuck you. <laughs> uh, so, with that said, I want to say thank you for your service. Absolutely, Happy Veterans Day. Happy birthday, Marines. Um, yeah, and if uh, if you know anybody that's a veteran, thank them. Yeah, you know, especially our older veterans from like World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, because we are rapidly, rapidly losing yep. these guys. I mean, even though you, if even if you don't agree with the, just talk to them the campaigns or whatever they were in. Just, just even, just say thank you for right. your service. I mean, they're. They're doing what, you know, they're being sent there because that's what they were told to do. And they were kids. Yeah. Some of them were kids. <laughs> some know? of them, you know, were grown men that were going to protect the kids. Right. Especially during, like, World War II in Vietnam. A lot of the time, those were kids. Yeah. You know, like, 18, 19-year-old kids. Yep. And they went over there doing shit that nobody here could have ever imagined doing. No. So... Yeah, so yeah. Uh, go and, uh, you know, if uh, you're looking for a pair of uh, headphones, earbuds, uh, or a speaker, phone, speaker, you can uh, go head speakers. Yes, head speakers. I have head speakers on. You do have head speakers. Did you order your new head speakers? No. Oh, you bitch. Um, go over to studio.com and check them out. They have all of the good stuff, and pretty soon they're going to be having a little bit of a sale going on. They did have a sale for 25% off just recently. But they're going to be having more soon. So check them out. Keep watch. And you can also go to... Oh, and if you put the promo code of DarkLumas15 in, you get 15% off your entire purchase. Yep. So also... DarkWindowsPod.com. You go over there and check out everything all in one... One-stop shop, I guess? Yes. You can find links to our Age of Radio page where you can listen to every episode of this horseshit we've ever put out. All the horseshit. And I say that every time, and I was going to switch it up to a different animal. Every episode of this mule shit we've ever put out. Mule shit. I don't think we've done mule shit yet, 
So, and mules are sterile, so their poop is safe. Hmm. Um, we have links to all of our social medias, our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter we don't use. Um, we also have... Act- <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, and well, Actually, while you're on the Age of Radio page, you can go check out a whole mess of new shows of, of shows that are uh, on the network with us. You can find your next favorite or next least favorite show yes. um, over there. And, uh, and you know, you might be like, fuck these guys. I ain't going to listen to yeah. them anymore. As long as we're at least like, we're not your least favorite. We got to be like, or like your next middle of the road, you know? Yeah. 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 We want to be middle of the road. For right. You. I, I, I mean, I aim for nothing but mediocre mediocrity. I was a C average student through high school, man. <laughs> Listen, like I made it, I did good, but I didn't do enough to draw attention to myself. <laughs> but if you feel which that, which is probably why my teachers thought I was going to be a serial killer when I grew up, because I was just like, I'm going to no, do enough you're, to do no, good. They, they thought you were going to be an alcoholic. No, actually, realistically, I had been pulled into the office more than once because they thought I was going to be a school shooter because I was quiet and I didn't have a lot of friends. But they At also least they thought, thought I didn't, but I'm like, I kind of hang out with a little bit of everybody. But they also thought you were drunk a few times. So, well, I mean, you know. the one time that they actually pulled me in for that, I wasn't. Other times, yes, I had been, but not that time. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, go check us out, and yeah. ho- hopefully, hopefully we're f- your favorite. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, would, I would shoot for, like, anybody's top ten, I guess. Yeah, definitely. You know, if you're anything like me and you got, like, fucking 60 goddamn podcasts, you're... You, you listen to on a regular basis. Like if we could be like top 15 in that number, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like, once again, yeah. Fucking rate review and subscribe. Cause we don't do that anymore. We, we don't, don't say that often, but please do. Yeah. Please do wherever. And, uh, once again, happy veterans day. Yeah. Thank you for your service, uh, to all of you that served in, in the armed forces anywhere you are, except for ISIS. You guys can go fuck yourselves. Yes. They're, hopefully they're not listening to you this. You know what? I hope they are. And I hope I hurt their feelings. Fucking pricks. Yeah. Yeah. Not even just because you're killing a bunch of innocent people. You're also destroying a bunch of historical shit because you guys are a piece of shit. And I hope the Taliban... twats. And I hope the Taliban fucks you up. I hope the Taliban gets fucked too, but whatever. Well, listen. Well, the Taliban fucked them up first, then get fucked. By donkeys. True. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge of the camels. <laughs> Goats are special forces. They just come in and butt fuck everything. Yes. With that said, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Goodbye. Thank you for your service.